0: Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada, and I'm a perimenopausal
1: mama to my little boy named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed, naturopathic doctor, birth doula and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Canada, and I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl Frankie. Thanks for supporting us for the past 100 episodes. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also support us by visiting our Patreon page, where you can find out how you can join us for our monthly patron webinar, where we do a deeper dive discussion about all things perimenopause.
0: The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. This is Dr. Tony, and I'm with Dr. Lisa today. Yay! We're together. And we are, <laughs> we're together, and we are celebrating. OMG 200 episodes.
0: Woohoo! Where'd the time go? Holy, I can't believe where, that.
1: I know, where did the time go? It's it's been amazing. It's been amazing to be on this journey with you, Lisa. You too, Tony. I wouldn't go on it with anyone else. Oh <laughs> man. We've got to share the highs, the lows of our peri- perimenopausal journeys and uh, and again share some really great information with all of you and you know because uh, and thankfully even since we started this podcast a number of years ago i think the conversation is really increasing in society in media around menopause and perimenopause um, and I think all of you out there have been really a demand for it we, you know we we're really needing more information more conversation Um it'd be lovely to have more research on you know this this transition that we do go through and even just to um, do a little recap of what perimenopause is what are we talking about when we're talking about perimenopause and and menopause more and more women are hearing about this idea of perimenopause and and i think it's still something that you know to really be clear on what we're talking about you know perimenopause is a transition period that um happens before you reach menopause it can last a number of years and it and it happens differently for each woman for some women, they're um, in perimenopause up for, you know, a couple of years, four years, eight years, maybe 10 years or even longer. And um, it, so it is that time period where there can be uh, incredible hormone fluctuations before you reach menopause. Menopause meaning that you have not had a menstrual period for 12 months. So there can be a number of things that happen. There can be a number of symptoms. Every woman will experience experience it differently. We'll definitely link to a number of different episodes to check out in the past, especially if you want to, um, again, look at more of a deeper dive into some of the research and some of the previous episodes that we've done and so let's just because there's so many pieces that can influence how we experience perimenopause i I'd, I'd love to even just jump in lisa and check in with you because again we're we're at 200 episodes we've been at this for a few years i previously shared in an episode Uh, that I went through my perimenopausal journey, and am now in menopause. I'd love to hear how things are going for you. Where are you at? As we celebrate this milestone in the podcast, where are you at in your perimenopausal journey?
0: Yeah, there's been yeah a lot of ups and downs, as I think is typical for anybody in perimenopause, because your symptoms can switch from month to month. You can experience PMS symptoms some months, other months, it's like you feel like you're in menopause, but then you get like a light period. So I'm definitely having kind of unpredictable symptoms, like it's not the same every month. And I'm moving more towards getting a little bit heavier flows now. So before I was more in the kind of my I still get a regular period, the length of the cycle is changing, not by too much. But for me, a change in three or four days, five days is a big deal, because I used to be like, Clockwork, So it might come, you know, four days early one month and then maybe three days late another month. Um, but, you know, in my early perimenopause journal journey, not journal, <laughs> <in> my <laughs> early journey, um, I was getting, yeah, like a lot of the menopausal symptoms. I think because of a lot of the lifestyle things I was doing, which I can get into, too. But I was getting a lot of hot flashes and insomnia. I was burning the candle at both ends and I was pushing and pushing and pushing and not listening to my body. I wasn't, you know, totally ridiculous with my lifestyle habits and techniques, but I knew I was doing more than I physically and mentally, emotionally could handle because I thought, hey, I could still do what I did in my 20s and my 30s and it's not going to bother me. But for me, it was like, no, I really need to prioritize where I'm going to put my time and my energy and really prioritize rest and downtime and listening to my body When I became aware of what's called menstrual cycle awareness, that was a huge eye-opener for me because as females, you know, we're taught we should... Push hard day in and day out. And we don't really link how we're feeling to our menstrual cycle, unless maybe it's the few days before we get our period and we're like, oh, I'm so cranky. Give me that bag of chips. Maybe I'm not going to sleep so well. Um, But we don't really tailor what's happening with our hormones at various cycles, various times of the cycle to how we're eating, how we're exercising, how we're interacting with other people. So we can definitely link to that episode. But I am aware of where I am in my cycle. You know, again, it can vary. Um, And I tailor lifestyle activities, exercise and food based on where I am. So I know that I can't exercise as hard or as frequent the few weeks before I get my period. So I start to space out my workouts a little bit, maybe do a workout every other day or do more gentle workouts, really prioritizing yoga and walking and gentle movement. Um, I listen to my body. If I if it's not a day, I feel like I could work out because I already feel tired. Maybe I didn't sleep so well, because I might be having a little bit of sleep issues leading up to my period, then I might do a morning routine of some yoga kundalini and some breathing exercises. And that really energizes me and gets me going in the morning. But yeah, the menstrual cycle awareness was a huge game changer, even for appetite, right? Like how many of us feel like we can't stop eating the few days before our period. It's actually because we need several hundred more calories because we need that fuel to build up our lining. It takes energy and food is energy. So now I know to get behind that. So instead of like... eating the same thing for breakfast and lunch as I normally would, or the same amount that I normally would other times of the month, the week or two before my period, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have an extra egg with my breakfast. I'm going to have, you know, some extra protein or extra veggies, some extra carbs with my lunch. So I just rounded out with how healthier food. So then I don't have those insatiable cravings in the afternoon or after dinner where I'm like, don't give me that bag of chips because I'm going to totally crush it. Do you remember those days, Tony?
1: <laughs> oh, completely. And like, I'm so glad that I think it was really even you Lisa that um that had me be more aware of menstrual cycle awareness. This idea that we do the same thing day in and day out, eat the same thing day in and day out and that our body has the same needs day in day out is I mean it's just it doesn't work for us. <laughs> it just doesn't work for us as women. And yet that's what, you know, is fairly usual to do. So really really being aware of of these changes, the, the shifts in the hormones and how that's going to influence things like your energy, like our appetite. We just have different demands. We have different needs at different times of the month. So um, I, I really love that.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So um, that's made a huge difference. And I find too other another thing that was a game changer for me, I didn't realize it. I thought intermittent fasting was serving me and maybe it did for a period of time. And maybe it was tricking me because, you know, if I did what's called the sixteen eight eight fast, so you fast for 16 hours, and you eat over an eight hour window, so I wouldn't really eat until noon. And then I would probably stop eating by about 8pm. At first, I felt like my brain was so clear. I had a lot of energy. I felt like there was beneficial changes in my body composition, but then it backfired. Like, and we're starting to realize when we're menstruating with our hormonal fluctuations, we're not supposed to fast that long the whole cycle because you can tailor fasting to, you know, soon after your period starts or when it stops for those first part of the follicular phase, because your body can handle it better, and it doesn't need as many calories. But then it can be a state of stress for your body if you're not getting fuel. Because if you think about it, evolutionary wise, we need food, that's, you know, one of our major drivers. And if you're not eating, you release cortisol. So you mobilize reserves to find food. So you're going to be on heightened alert, you're going to feel like you have more energy, because your body's like, oh, I got to find this next meal, I got to go hunting, I got to go gather um, food. So it's actually can stress your nervous system and aggravate high cortisol levels. So it started to backfire on me. And, and how I knew it was backfiring is that I was having a hard time not overeating in the afternoon or in the window of time when I was eating and reaching for unhealthy foods and never feeling satiated because my body was like... You're finally giving me food. And it was hard to stop. I was having trouble sleeping. My hot flashes were way worse during that time. And I had a lighter flow because I wasn't getting the nutrient requirements I needed to build an effective lining. So it's something to pay attention to. You need to listen to your body. Then maybe there's different times of your cycle where you can do a bit of a longer overnight or 16 hour fast. But if it's not serving you, don't do it. I can get away now with about a 12 to 14 hour overnight fast, but I listen to my body like I'm leading up into my luteal phase right now, leading up to my period within the next week. And I know I need to eat more or else I'm just going to have insatiable cravings and I might need to eat breakfast a little bit earlier. Um, So just pay attention to your body and listen
1: to those cues. Well, that's so key, Lisa. I love how, again, it really is about listening to yourself and, and like, really, what do you need? What does your body need? What's serving you? Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think we think we have to follow this dogma, these rules, you know, this Mm -hmm. diet, this fasting worked for my friend. And I think, you know, we've got to start asking what is actually working? Like, yeah, maybe you lose some weight, but you're probably losing muscle mass in the beginning. Um, But you're not sleeping, you're irritable, you're picking the wrong foods during that eating window. Um, So I think this brings me to my next point is as I'm getting older, I really am working on body neutrality and body positivity. And I'm finding that now when I'm in a bathing suit, I've been doing a lot of cold plunging. So I'm in lots of bathing suits in front of lots of people I don't know. I was never super self-conscious, but now I don't even really think about my body when I'm in those situations. I'm just like, oh, here I am. It's more about the experience instead of like, oh, they're going to see this cellulite. Oh, they're going to see this skin tag. I don't really care anymore. <laughs> like, I think that's, that's awesome. what we get in our 40s, right? It's like, this is who I am. I don't care if you're looking at me and thinking anything, you know, should be improved. This is just what happens, right, to our bodies. And it's totally normal. And I'm also wearing my hair curly. So if you see pictures of me online now, you might be like, what did she get a perm? I've had so many people ask me if I've gotten a perm. It's not like the eighties, maybe perms are going to come back, but my hair is naturally curly. And I just got sick of straightening it thinking that's kind of looked more professional or, you know, more well kept. Um, I'm trying to do things to, you know, press the easy button and do things where I'm freeing up more time and straightening. My hair is not one of those places where I want to spend my time
1: anymore because I'm starting to realize, you know,
0: Life is sacred. Uh, how do I want to spend my minutes,
1: Lisa? I don't even know if I realized that your hair was curly. And I mean, how long have we known each other?
0: I know. <laughs> I used to wear curly at the naturopathic college, right? So maybe really, it's just oh. like, yes, yes. <laughs>
1: See, I see. I don't remember. And again, oh my, oh my goodness! So that was almost twenty years ago. And I can't believe I said that out loud. And um, and yeah, especially with again your professional photos, just seeing you even in the past few years, it was like, oh yeah, straight hair, straight hair. And your hair looks great, curly. I love it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I um, appreciate that. It's so
0: much easier. It's easier than I thought. I thought you know I'd have more bed head and things like that, but it's easy to refresh and just, you know, it, the messy look is easy. So I think that's also something we need to do is just to like press the easy button, right? Like we have uh-huh. these routines and habits. And you know, I used to, you know, have to wash my hair every two days. And like, you know, I still put the makeup on, I'm working on that. But um, now I'm looking at, oh, yeah, I can wash my hair like almost once a week. Now I use a dry shampoo. You know, if I have virtual meetings, and I do a workout, and I want to sleep in a little bit before my morning workout, then I won't have a shower till maybe lunchtime. And I'm okay with that now. It's not like it has to look a certain way my day. I don't have to hit all of these milestones. Of course, there's certain ones you have to hit. But how can I press the easy button and reevaluate the routines and expectations I have on myself and really question if I want to spend time there or do that? Are you noticing, um, are you making changes, Tony, with your routines and
1: habits? Oh, for sure. Especially, you know, as we, I mean, we have definitely Lisa the benefit of doing some virtual visits and and um, and virtual work, and again, some of uh, some of you listeners out there may still be, again, working from home and that kind of thing. It it really has given me the ability to to really start to question. And yeah, I'm washing my hair way less than I used to. Again, adjusting hairstyles and still making sure that I'm, and, you know, looking presentable and and you know, professional and and all of that, just with uh, again a little less of the um uh, just the things that that aren't as necessary
0: exactly i think it's so freeing right so yeah these are some things we can embrace in our 40s um Definitely. and one of the yeah, one of the biggest changes, and I've talked about this before, was going alcohol-free. I don't think I realized just the impacts it was having on me. Maybe you're fine with even the odd drink, but for me, my sleep was horrible. Even if I had a glass or two of wine or a gluten-free beer, um, I would get more hot flashes at night. I would feel more anxious in the day. My energy was up and down. And I did what's called the Live Alcohol Experiment. Annie Grace runs that, so we can link to that but it was a real eye opener in terms of just looking at what is alcohol doing to you and then questioning is it giving you the benefits you think it is like maybe, you know, I would feel relaxed for 20 minutes, but then, you know, the symptoms that would come after were definitely outweighed those benefits. Um, so I decided to go alcohol free in March, 2021. And it wasn't easy because I wasn't like a huge drinker, but it was definitely integrated into my social life, into celebrating into weekends, how I would unwind. Um, I didn't really drink much during the week. Um, But it was a shift to go through all the holidays and seasons, about two times I had to get you know, after about a year and a half or two years, I don't even really think about it anymore. So it's so freeing. And I think that's made a huge difference in making my sleep better, I'm not getting as many hot flashes, my mood is more stable. My energy is more stable. I just remember having those days where I just wanted to lie on the couch. I totally crashed. Um, So it's something you may want to experiment with. I'm not anti-alcohol, but it wasn't serving me. And I don't know, I think with all of these lifestyle demands we place on ourselves, our busy schedules, we got to do the hard workouts, our bodies have to look a certain way, we got to party with our friends, we got to have wine on the weekends, like a lot of these, I think, are contributing to perimenopausal symptoms. So looking at and seeing if those are affecting you, um, that could make a huge difference.
1: I think that's, uh, just, again, so key, Lisa, and really, I also think that I looked at my alcohol, t- alcohol take a lot more, especially when you went alcohol-free and, and shared and had those conversations on the podcast as well, because it's like, oh, yeah, like, we we knew as naturopathic doctors that alcohol does impact sleep quality and sleep cycles, and when that's such Um, and not only important piece of your overall well-being mentally, physically, but your hormone health, and that can totally get thrown off during perimenopause. It's like, okay, looking at alcohol is important to do. I find now that I drink way less alcohol than I previously did in the past. I'm less likely to just kind of automatically um without you know unconsciously not thinking about but just reach for or or order a glass of wine or a cocktail but just really you know really checking in and saying oh is is this something that I really want right now or am I just drinking it to drink it and so I am having less alcohol than than I have in the past I still will have a glass or two Um, here and there, and it's just way less frequent. I did notice that, uh, and still notice that when I do have alcohol, yes, it will increase my hot flashes, um, that are still kind of creeping around sometimes. So I think what you're saying, Lisa, about, you know, perimenopausal symptoms in general, hot flashes, sleep issues, mood, anxiety, depression, energy, um, brain fog, all of those pieces, especially when we look at the culture of wine and alcohol for moms, women, and just people in general in well Canada, North America. I think it's, it's really crucial for us to start really questioning, you know, is this serving me or not?
0: Mm -hmm, definitely and that's amazing Tony the changes you've made right just that awareness Mm -hmm. and making the conscious decision so it can can be a game changer so I love that
1: and and Lisa really like congratulations on being alcohol free for like two and a half years that's
0: thanks yeah if you told me this like yeah two and a half years well three years ago or just before two and a half years ago, I'd be like what are you talking about I didn't think that was an option
1: (laughs) Right, <laughs> and you did it, and you've and you've kept doing it because it works for you, and mm-hmm. and again, you you've committed to your health and your life in this way as well.
0: Oh, thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. Um, and then I have to go back to some advice that I gave on weighted blankets. I'm kind yep. of. Uh, done a, you know, a 180. And now mm-hmm. I'm not recommending them. And mm-hmm. so let me preface. So I would, I used a weighted blanket that was 15 pounds. So it's supposed to calm your nervous system. It's like a swaddle for a humans that weight can help stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which what we is what we need to be when we sleep. And the one I used had glass beads. So then it helped to regulate my temperature. So I could use it year round. And you can use it on the bed with your partner, they're not going to be under it, because it's not big enough for two people. Um, but it I felt it really helped with my body temperature regulation. So I definitely think it helped with body temperature regulation. I thought it was helping with my sleep and my nervous system. But the thing is, it's so heavy. Every time you move, you kind of wake up because you have to use your body to lift it. And then you may have some pain and weird strains on different areas of your body, like my shoulder was starting to have issues. And you know, if you're thinking about lying on your side, and you have this weight of the blanket on you, Probably not good if you're doing that for years on end. I was suffering from plantar fasciitis, which I originally thought was from doing bar workouts, um, like going from zero to 100 with bar workouts in bare feet. But it might have corresponded to when I got the weighted blanket or the weighted blanket prolonged my recovery. Because if my foot was pushed in a certain way, it was obviously not in a natural position. So it didn't allow for the healing. And I didn't really realize this until one of my patients. See, we learn a lot from our patients. But she came to me and she said she had trigger finger and she believed it was from the weighted blanket. So like a trigger thumb, it's called. So from lifting the weighted blanket with, you know, her thumb and her second finger. And the rest of her hands, it strained that finger. So she was getting a lot of pain and she couldn't pinpoint to what else it was. And when she stopped using the weighted blanket, that healed and it got better. So I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this is influencing my plantar fasciitis and this weird kind of my shoulder would just feel kind of like out of place. So I stopped using it. And lo and behold, my plantar fasciitis is pretty much gone, and my shoulder is a whole lot better. And I got used to not having that weight, and I found another comforter, like a cotton duvet, one that is breathing well. I put the fan on over over the overhead fan on, um, but we're using the cotton duvet, and I seem way better. And I think with all these other changes, too, I'm having less Perimenopausal symptoms again, it can fluctuate from month to month, but it's not like this
1: continuous struggle all the time. I don't know if you ever used
0: a weighted blanket, Tony.
1: You know, I never did, Lisa. And I mean, I'm that's amazing that you that you again realize that that could be impacting you. So it's kind of one of those things where now I'm wondering, okay, yeah, you obviously had benefits from it. And is it better to use it in small amounts than, you know, prolonged? So I, I, I'm glad you you recognize that. And again, we're able to heal from, from some of those inflammatory conditions because that can't be fun either.
0: No, yeah, I think some people use it like when they're on the couch, they wrap it around themselves. If they're feeling like overwhelmed or overstimulated, you know, you could wrap it around you in a way where it's not, you know, pressing on areas that you might have problems with. But again, it's listening to your body, right? And kind of uh-huh. putting two and two together. And if something weird kind of pops up when you start using it, look at, oh, maybe I shouldn't use it or how can I use it in a different way? So feel free of our listeners to share on our Instagram, on our Facebook. If you've used a weighted blanket, do you feel like it's helped you? Do you feel like it's harmed you in any way? I think it'll be interesting. You know, hopefully it'll be start, start to be researched to see, you know, do the benefit's outweigh the negative effects of it
1: yeah and even looking at the dose you know dose exactly. dose is important for each person so that's that's kind of important to to look at as well and and uh, again a piece where you know we're all different individuals and you do have to personalize it based on how you respond and, and what works for you too
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I know we've talked a lot about different supplements and progesterone cream. And I found I did benefit from progesterone cream from taking a lot of different supplements for my adrenal glands to calm my nervous system. But with really, you know, slowing down, following the menstrual cycle awareness, cutting out the alcohol, not feeling like I have to work out hard twenty four seven, and making sure I'm eating at regular meal times, that puts our body in like a Safety zone, right? We feel like, okay, we're safe. We have food. We can do what we need to do. With those changes, I haven't needed as many supplements. And right now, I'm not using the progesterone cream. And I feel good about that. Like my symptoms aren't as bad. Talk to me in another couple months. Maybe it'll be different. But um, even just getting some organic soy in my diet, having more tofu, more organic soy milk, I think is helping. For sleep, I still like supplements like theanine, a bit of melatonin and magnesium. I find that really calms my nervous system as as well as the holy basil tea. And I go through different adaptogenic herbs, which support our stress response and our adrenal glands, so I go between, you know, ashwagandha, rhodiola, ralora, depending on how I'm feeling, but I don't need to be as consistent or regular with them. Because the more we do with our lifestyle and diet, uh, the less supplements and things we have to take or put on our body
1: Love that, Lisa. And, and absolutely, it's, it's one of those pieces where you may not need the same thing every single day. It is about what you're going through and, and what kind of support you need physically, physiologically for your body to, uh, as well as, you know, kind of emotionally and, and looking at what nutrients, um, what herbs can um, support you through that. So that's fantastic.
0: For sure. I don't necessarily think it's clear, say, like smooth sailing from here on out. And I know some people are doing all these things and still, and avoiding these things I talked about, I'm avoiding and still getting horrible symptoms. So, you know, it is different for each person and I'll keep you updated as things shift. And I move towards, you know, menopause even closer.
1: Love that. Thanks, Lisa. And and again, thanks being for being so open with sharing where you're at right now and um, I again, these kind of conversations of just really looking at, okay, where we're at, where things are working for us and aren't working for us is, um, I think, really important to get out there so that other women know too what what maybe to expect or things to look at for themselves too. So thanks for that, Lisa. Well, my pleasure. I'm so glad we can have these
0: conversations and you've been very open as well with your journey, Tony. So thanks for that.
1: Oh, for sure. Got it. We'll, we'll keep doing it. Right, Lisa? Oh yeah, for sure.
0: You might, maybe not everybody wants to hear it, but you don't have to listen if you don't want to hear
1: it. (laughs) There you go, right? (laughs) Which is fine. No judgment. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Love it so much. Awesome. So let's switch gears. And since we're on a roll with celebrating as celebrating where you're at, Lisa, you have a super mom moment to share with us?
0: I do. Yeah. Every time I go grocery shopping, I'm like, oh my gosh, this price has jumped up again. What's happening? Um, So I can see the challenges that people have with eating healthy and getting good quality food. Um, I'm starting to look at ways to get creative and not that I was like spending ad hoc before, but like looking at ways to save more on protein, on organic fruit and vegetable options. And surprisingly, Costco has a lot of good organic produce. They have a Organic chicken. You can buy things in bulk and freeze it. Um, so that's been really beneficial. And I'm eating a lot more tofu, more canned salmon, sometimes some canned tuna. I'm eating more soups with beans and legumes, you know, lentil soup, that sort of a thing. There's a couple of good ones out there in jars and cans. I'm having more eggs for protein because protein can be really expensive. So I just want to, you know, give myself a pat on the back for still, you know, eating healthy, but looking at doing it in ways where it's not gonna
1: gonna break the bank good for you lisa yeah that's it is a big challenge now these days and it is possible especially again if you do have that ability to um you know buy in bulk and just again really watch the spending and still get again you know good quality protein and other ingredients um it's it's available you just need to put a little bit more leg work into it right?
0: Yeah, I think going to the, you know, local farmers markets and even buying frozen vegetables, frozen fruit, and if it can, can be organic, great, but local's awesome too, um, or both together, those are some quick and easy ways. So Tony, I, wanna, I know you're doing a great job, but can I hear, do you have a mama mess up you can think of this week?
1: Yeah, I do, Lisa. <laughs> so I'll share it with you. Um, so we switched um, Frankie's activities. We were doing gymnastics. Um, we've been really into ninja, watching American Ninja Warrior on TV. And so, and now that she's five, she's able to do different ninja classes. So wanted to, uh, this past weekend, we had her try our first ninja class, which she really enjoyed so much that she was was really sad at the end of class and I realized that uh you know this is definitely a pattern with her she really doesn't like saying goodbye she doesn't like um you know ending things that she is really enjoying doing and and so that was a bit of a mess up because I know that that's a pattern with her and I now can look back and and really recognize that oh Doing some preparation for her would be um much easier for her and us because she had a little meltdown at the end of class. And so now I recognize that, okay, that maybe we can maybe lessen that meltdown a little bit with just really preparing her. Um, That again, will you know to ha- do something right afterwards to have a plan for the rest of the day, so that there's something that she can look forward to instead of just like, okay, class is over, let's you know, oh well, bye, <laughs> you know, you have to finish, you know, what you're enjoying. Too bad. You're still doing a great job, Tony. So
0: yeah, oh, hard thanks. To see them get upset about those things, but that's awesome. She's doing ninja class. I love
1: it. <laughs> it's it's very her. She she had a great time swinging and running up the warped wall and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah. Love it. Well,
0: you're still an awesome mom, Tony. And then I want to hear what's your mama must have.
1: My mama must have for this week since, again, we're in the fall. We're definitely in a change of season, although, you know, fall has been kinder uh, to us here in uh, Calgary than I think usual. And you know, viruses are going are, are still around. They still are a thing. And especially with the kids in school, getting some extra immune support um, for the change of season and with the with the kids in school is is so key for our household. So we've been really keeping up on it. We have Uh, you know, uh, a few options. We have different gummies. We have different multi powders and electrolyte powders with some extra elderberry and zinc. Plus we're topping up with the vitamin D. So that's definitely my mama must have for this week and maybe for, you know, the, a few, uh, weeks coming up as well. Great recommendations and great reminders.
0: Yeah, it's amazing everything going around right now. And we were sick here and it was not fun. So there's so many viruses. So I love your mama must have. And then mine goes along with my uh, super mom moment of saving and going to Costco. So my mama must have is a Costco membership. Maybe people don't like the idea of Costco, but I find it super convenient and cost effective. And they do have, you know, healthy um, organic, sometimes local options. And then also another mama must have is the chest freezer that we have in the basement. So we can store leftovers, we can store frozen food, it just makes our life a lot easier. So we have backups and we're not um, scrambling at the last minute.
1: Um, So that's my mama must have. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Lisa. And thanks for everyone for listening. Just to even share with you what else is happening. Again, more to celebrate. Dr. Lisa has been nominated again for Toronto Stars Reader Choice Award. Of course, you know, she's amazing. She won the Diamond Award last year for Best Naturopathic Clinic and Services. And so you can vote for her In the health, wellness, fitness, beauty category under naturopathic clinic services, if you feel so inclined, she is third on the list under um, another naturopathic doctor named Lisa. Our friend, so, our friend yeah. Lisa, yeah, uh, our friend Lisa. But so, look for Lisa Weeks. She's great and... too. So if
0: You want to vote for her? That's fine. But if you're <laughs> looking to vote for me, I'm third on the list.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, and you have until October 23rd to vote. And uh, you may need to create an account there. It's free. Um, just to ensure that you're a real person, and it really only takes two minutes. And of course, uh, Dr. Lisa, we would both be so grateful. We'll put a link in to vote in the show notes. So check that out. And my next hypnobirthing session for expecting parents looking to decrease fear and anxiety and support their natural instincts around labor and birth is happening soon. You can join me at hypnobirthingcalgary.com slash register. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening for the past 200 episodes. Thanks for all of your support. You can find our show notes at perimenopausalmamas.com. You can email us, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And tell your perimenopausal mamas friends about us too. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Until next time.